The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Book of Leviticus, chapter number 23. And I have thoroughly enjoyed our time as we have examined the feasts of Jehovah or the feasts of the Lord. By the way, these feasts, although they started as feasts to the Lord, became in the New Testament the feasts to the Jews. And there is a difference. These were gathering times of God's people to spend time with God. And uh, these seven feasts are laid out for us in Leviticus chapter number 23 and other passages. And we have been through all the spring feasts. Uh, Let me, first of all, here, just uh, let you know today's feast is the Feast of the Trumpets. We're going to read the text in just a little bit as they bring up that slide. Uh, By the way, good to have Nick back with us. Uh, What a blessing. Continue to pray for him. He's battling valley fever, and uh, it is really done a number. And uh, we've held him up in prayers. We're asking that God will continue here to work in his heart, uh, in his body, in his life. All right? Thank you for praying. The Feast of the Trumpets are really going to be the first of what we call the fall feasts. There's seven in total. We've already looked at the first four. Let's do a quick review. All right? And I'm praying uh, that for some of you that have not been able to be here, that this will catch you up. The spring feasts were those four feasts that took place during the barley harvest. These four feasts were designed by God as a means by which God's people would leave their home area, their lands, their houses. Every young male, every male was commanded by God to come three different times a year, twice in the spring. The first time during Passover, they celebrated the Passover feast, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the First Fruits Feast. And then 50 days later, they had a second opportunity to come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And we call these the Spring Feasts. Now, from our perspective, these are all past. From Leviticus 23, they're all future because it's God's calendar. The feasts of Jehovah allow us to see how God works in this world. And starting with his people, we have a broadcasting of how God will work. For instance, in Exodus 12, when we learn about the Passover, we see that as that feast is instituted... The New Testament tells us this truth in 1 Corinthians 5, verse number 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Let's go to that next slide, if you could. For even even Christ, our Passover. See, the fulfillment was Jesus. The Passover was a type. It was that perfect lamb, that spotless lamb. Uh, That lamb that uh, was to be scrutinized and that lamb that was not to have any ailments or frailties or broken bones. And we see that that type was perfectly fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. 
I'd like you to see on the screens the next verse is from Exodus 12, verse 3. The Bible says, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb. Now this is the month of Nicene. It has now become the first month of the spiritual calendar of the Jews. We're going to see the fall actually kicks off their uh, a civil calendar and uh, their new year is really begins with the Feast of the Trumpets, which we're going to see in just a moment. But here the Bible tells us it's that tenth day. What did we learn as we studied the Passover together? Well, uh, we learned that God's calendar is always right on time. Uh, some of you may want to turn to John chapter number 12 for just a moment. Here we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the very last few days of his earthly ministry. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. The ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth, the fourteenth uh, day is six days before. Uh, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth is six days before the Passover. And our Bible tells us in the same text in verse 12, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was come to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna. Exodus tells us on the 10th, they were to take that lamb. They were to bring it into the household and they were to scrutinize it and examine it. Jesus Christ came on the 10th to Jerusalem. Jesus Christ was presented before the world. And there are some that cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king, he's here. And there's others that examined him like the Sanhedrin, and they called him a blasphemer. There's others like uh, Pilate, uh, I find no fault in him. But folks, what was taking place was the examination of the lamb. The lamb was scrutinized on God's time, in the fullness of time. Can I tell you everything that God's doing? God, because he transcends time, uh, because God uh, is in yesterday, today, and forever, uh, God is able, uh, he's the alpha, the omega, he sees the beginning from the end. Uh, God here allowed these feasts to help us today to see that they reflect the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we learned also going from the Passover feast that the Feast of Unleavened Bread immediately began from Exodus chapter number 12 and Leviticus 23. And the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, they were commanded to get all the leaven out of the house. And for the next seven days, they were to have Nothing with leaven. What's the significance? You know, the moment you come to Jesus Christ through his shed blood and receive his deliverance, his salvation, the blood is applied to the doorpost. From that moment, you are now a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And there is now a journey. When the feast is a feast of a week's time, it gives us the, the, the picture of a continuation. And this Feast of Unleavened Bread is a, is a picture of my new relationship here to God. 
the Father uh, because of the work of the Son. And now in the New Testament era, I realize I have the Holy Spirit of God, which will lead me in all truth. And it is a journey. Uh, matter of fact, we've already studied the New Testament passages on the unleavened uh, journey. Exodus 12, 15, seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread. Uh, and uh, see, the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. That's Exodus 12, 15. The next verse, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, uh, sacrificed for us. So there's the connection with what's going on in Exodus 12 and Leviticus 23. The fact that it begins in that moment when we allow Jesus Christ and his finished work to be all that we need for our salvation. And our journey begins. By the way, go back uh, to Exodus 12. What does the Bible say about their, their attire during that Passover? Fully clothed, shoes, staff in your hand. Can I tell you what? The new life in Christ is a journey that begins the moment that you receive Jesus. And that walk begins. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to live the life that God wants us to live. Well, then we looked at the first fruits feast. The first fruits now, this is really, really exciting because the Bible teaches us clearly from Leviticus 23, verse number 11. Look to the screen there. The scripture says, And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. So think of Passover. Think of that next Sabbath, Saturday. And after the Passover, or what we could call the crucifixion, the next Saturday, Sabbath, what happens on Sunday? The resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what took place there on the first fruits is the priest would go over, they'd cross the river Kidron, and they'd uh, take a sickle, and they'd get some uh, sheaves together from the barley harvest, and they would bring that there to uh, the temple. And there in the temple, these individual grains of barley, they would take as an offering before God, and literally it was a wave offering. They would wave it before God. What was the significance? It was a portion of the harvest. It wasn't the full harvest. It was the first fruits of the harvest with a lot more harvest yet to come. And the New Testament teaches us the fulfillment of that in the person of Jesus Christ uh, what does the scripture say here concerning the first fruits? Would you look at 1 Corinthians 15 on your screen, verse 20? But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. I'm getting excited. What are these feasts about? Tucked in Leviticus chapter 23. They're all about Jesus Christ and what I have in him. They're all about his finished work on the cross and his blood that is sacrificed. It's about a new life that I have in Jesus Christ. It's about the reality that as Jesus was the first of the resurrection, there's a more of a resurrection to come. Every born again child of God has that hope, that blessed hope we're going to talk about a little bit this morning of this future resurrection. And we see that Jesus was the first, and now in this 
festival that they celebrated here of the first fruits, uh, we see uh, Jesus Christ, and then we see we follow. Look at the third verse on the screen, 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterward, they that are Christ that is coming. You say, when do we get to be a part of that reaping of that harvest of souls? When Jesus comes again. It's when we get our resurrected body. That's when we are in his presence. And so these feasts point us to who? They point us to Christ. Listen, I hope Christ is your all in all. I hope you realize this morning that without Christ you have nothing. I hope you recognize here this morning that our life is in Christ. And that everything I have and everything I will ever have is because of Christ. And that he fulfills perfectly all that the Old Testament portrayed. And then we have that fourth spring feast, which is the Feast of Pentecost. Look at the verses. Leviticus 23 from verse 15 to verse 21. Ye shall count seven Sabbaths. By the way, Pentecost falls on the day after the Sabbath. Just like the first fruits falls on the day after the Sabbath, these festivals are celebrated on the Lord's Day. They're celebrated on Sunday. At Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, that was Sunday. And uh, oh, what God did on that Sunday, on that Pentecost Sunday, where 3,000 souls were swept into the kingdom of God. What a, what a, what a wonderful truth that God gives to us in these feasts, these fall feasts, all right? So there we have Pentecost, the fulfillment of it in the New Testament. What's it a picture of? It's a picture of Christ's continuing work through the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Acts chapter 1 for just a moment. You can't really teach adequately the New Testament without having a grasp on the Old Testament. And uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And they work hand in hand. Uh, any ministry that is going to be predominantly one or the other of uh, the uh, New Testament or the Old Testament, the Bible's given us all Scripture. And so we study both because it's all God's Word and I'll tell you what, it kind of fires me up when in the Old Testament, 1,500 years before the actual events take place, God already had his calendar. He already said, here's what's going to happen. This is it. You don't know it yet, but I have a lamb prepared from before the foundations of the world. I have a lamb, my only son. John the Baptist could recognize him. Behold, the lamb of God that cometh to take away the sin of the world. He knew who Jesus was, the Messiah. The world was looking for their king to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus came as a lamb to be slain for our greater need. And that is our sins being washed away. So here we have at uh, Pentecost this fulfillment and, and God, again, Acts chapter 1, I had you go there. The former treatise, verse 1, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus 
began both to do and to teach. That's the book of Luke, by the way. This is two books written by Dr. Luke, Gentile doctor. It's what I would call the Bible discipleship program. Luke chapter number one is all about the person of Jesus Christ. It's a description of who Christ is. Book of Acts, it's part two. It's all that Christ now wants to accomplish in this age. It, it is the marching orders. It is now what God is desiring for us to be engaged in. And as he's dealing with Theophilus, don't know uh, if he was saved before the first book, between the two books, after the two writings of the book, whatever the case is, Luke is desiring to exalt Jesus Christ. And he makes sure that when, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts is written, that it's Jesus' work. Do you see that verse 1? O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he, Jesus, was taken up, after that he, Jesus, through the Holy Ghost, hath given commandment unto the apostles whom he hath chosen. And what we have is the marching orders of Jesus. And what we have is the power to accomplish the job that God's given to us through the Holy Spirit of God. And so these feasts bring us back to Jesus Christ. Again, the spring feasts, historically for us, they're past. From the standpoint of Leviticus 23, they're future. But for you and I seated here today, we can look back and we can say, historically, Jesus did come and he died. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And Jesus did ascend to the right hand of the throne of God. And when he left, he said, I'm going to send the comforter. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, empowering the church to accomplish the work that God has for us to accomplish. All right? So here's a review of all of them one more time on the screen. There they are. The spring feasts. I'm sorry. Thank you for doing that for me. Actually, I wanted to go to the fall feasts, all right? The fall feasts. Let's look at them. There's three in total. The trumpets, the atonement, and the tabernacles. Today, we're going to look at the feast of the trumpets. It's the beginning of the fall feasts. Uh, I've mentioned that this is the first day of the month, the scripture tells us. Look at Leviticus 23, 23. In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. It's the month of Tishri. It falls in our September, October. It is the beginning of their civil calendar it would be their January 1st, the new year. This is where it all begins for the Jewish people. And we see that it's a very holy and high time uh, for uh, the, the nation of Israel. And predominantly, by the way, these feasts were for Israel. And yet there's applications for us today that we're finding from the New Testament. But here in Leviticus, we see that there is a connection here uh, to this new year and the trumpets. Take your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 10 as we see God's instruction concerning the trumpets. Numbers chapter number 10. 
And here the Bible tells us what Moses was commanded to do, all right? I'm going to read verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camp. All right, so what do I know? That these two Trumpets were fashioned out of one piece of silver, and they had a threefold purpose according to Numbers chapter number 10. The first one we just read, it was to call an assembly. It was to call the people together. By the way, the trumpets prophetically are going to take place both at the rapture as well as the coming of the Lord. The trumpet is a picture of the voice of God. The two trumpets we're going to see in the future. And yet one of them is calling an assembly or gathering. Listen, we're going to see that both trumpets for uh, the nation of Israel and for the church are an assembly time. Have you ever looked at the rapture as an assembly time? We're having an assembly Jesus is leading assembly. Say, where's the assembly? It's in the clouds. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The trump shall sound. And so as we look at the trumpet, we're looking at it from different perspectives this morning. As the Lord gives ability, I want to deal with three thoughts. Number one, the harvest in relationship to the trumpet. The Hebrews, all right, the Jewish people in relation to the trumpets, as well as the blessed hope in relationship to the church, all right? But here in Numbers, for a background, for introduction, we see that there's two trumpets. And we also see that the Scripture tells us not only is this a call to assemble, verse 3, but it's also to be blown during times of alarm. Look at verse number 5. When you blow an alarm, times of distress, times of difficulty. Folks, we've already gone through the teaching of the Word of God on the day of the Lord as we taught through 1 Thessalonians and how some people are confused mixing up the day of the Lord with the rapture. Uh, folks, Christian movies aren't always the best place to go for our spiritual edification, all right? Uh, my wife and I, before I even got saved, went and saw the movie, The Thief in the Night. She had nightmares. I slept like a baby, all right? But it was about the rapture. Well, the Bible doesn't teach a thief. Uh, he's coming as a thief at the rapture. The Bible teaches in the next chapter, verse 5, that that's the day of the Lord, that's the day of the Lord. The, and, and that's the time of the gathering. Uh, that's the time of a, a gathering together for uh, the nation of Israel as weather, as also with uh, wrath. And we're going to look at that uh, as well. But there's an alarm, there's an assembly. And lastly, in Numbers 10, we also see it to make announcements in verse 10. And in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginnings of your months, ye shall blow with the trumpets. At the beginning of every new month, they were just announcing it's a new month and they would blow the horn. 
The scripture tells us that they blew one time if the elders were to be gathered. They blew twice if everyone was to be gathered. It was a signaling that it's time to gather together. It's time to assemble. It's time because there's danger. Or it's an announcement that's being made. But we see the importance of the trumpets there from Numbers chapter number 10. Now let's look at the first point this morning and it's dealing with an in-between period. And number one this morning, I want you to see in the Feast of Trumpets, we see an ending of the harvest. We see an ending of the harvest. I know you're in Leviticus 23. I had you turned there. I want you to see something super exciting to me in chapter number 23. We just learned about the Feast of Pentecost, the end of the barley season. Uh, all the, the blessing of that from verse 15 to verse number 21. Now I want you to focus on verse 22 because we're not going to learn about the Feast of Trumpets until verse 24. All right, so we're ending with Pentecost at 21. We're starting the next fe feast at verse 24, but in between, God stuck something. Folks, when we read the Bible, sometimes God sticks things there on purpose. And the reason God put it there is because what was going on in the land of Israel is it was three months. You can see the Hebrew months on the left, the summer months that were months of harvest. This is the wheat harvest. There's no festival going on through these three months. You say, what's going on? Work. The harvest is going on. The trumpets is going to announce the end of harvest. It's time to gather together. But not, not during those three months. During those three months, we see clearly something much different. We see out in the field. You want a good picture of that? Read the book of Ruth. There they are, busy in the harvest, from the beginning to the end. You say, well, what's the significance for me? Well, let's look at it. Verse 22 the scripture says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of the field. When thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any gleanings of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. The word stranger is a word for Gentile. I am the Lord your God. What happened at Pentecost? To the Jew first, and then also to who? The Gentiles. It was the church age. It was the age of getting the gospel to the world. And at Pentecost, as a feast that celebrated, in reality, it showed a bigger picture. And that picture is the age of the church is the harvest season. It is the time here where the church is active. Where the church is busy. Where the church is being used to get the gospel to the whole world. It's to accomplish the mandate of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In, in Mark chapter 16, Luke 24, Matthew 28. Where Jesus made it very clear, I want you to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In our modern civilization, as Christians, we look at this time as what? From God's perspective, God looks at this time as it's harvest season. 
This is the time of the gospel going forth. This is the time of witnessing. This is the time of souls being reaped. This is a time where God is active through the Holy Spirit of God. This is not a rest time. This is a time of labor. See, our day of rest is coming when the trumpet shall sound. But until the trumpet sounds, where does God want us? In the field. He wants us in the field. Oh, the church today, we've become so anemic. I look at my own life and I think of how many times there's tracks uh, that are, are close at hand. I just have to grab them and use them. Giving out the gospel, sharing the good news. Why? Because Jesus could come this week. I wonder what kind of labor he's going to find when we're presented to him in the clouds. Oh, the whole church age is the church uh, on the go. The go ye. And so we see this uh, uh, plan of God in between, before the trumpets, there's some ministry that's going on to strangers. There's a ministry that's going on to Gentiles. And we see Acts, the book of Acts lived out. The gospel came to the Gentiles, Cornelius. Acts chapter number 10. And then we see onward movement to Antioch, the first Gentile church. And from that Gentile church, the gospel goes out on missionary endeavors. What's going on? They understand the calendar. They understand what that season was about. Every Jew that has lived any time at all realized that after Pentecost, it's in the fields. After Pentecost, it's we go home and we, we labor. Why? Because the harvest one day is going to end. Listen, there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to do in heaven, but one thing you won't be able to do is share the gospel. A lot of things we're going to enjoy in heaven, but in heaven we'll not have the opportunity to leave the soul to Christ. That's for here. That's for now. God is making it very clear that I have given you this church age to accomplish my will. And we see the Gentiles, there was a dabbling of it through the Old Testament, but not like the New Testament. Oh yes, in the Old Testament we do have the illustration of Rahab and how she is gloriously saved by faith, takes that scarlet cord and puts it out the window. Rahab has a boy. That boy grows up to have an eye for a Moabitess gal that just came over by the name of Ruth. And Boaz, the son of Rahab, now embraces a Gentile bride. And so we have little pictures of it in the Old Testament, but not like in the New Testament. Not like when Peter has the vision and the sheet is coming down and, 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 and God says, eat it. And Peter says, it's not clean. I'm a Jew. I can't eat that. And God said, eat it. And Peter was confused until the messenger knocked on the door and saying, listen, my master Cornelius was told by God to come to this place where, where, where you live and to bring you back. And Cornelius and his household heard the gospel and were gloriously saved. Oh, that God would stir us up about the harvest. 
What is it about the trumpet in the life of the child of God that ought to cause us to realize that until the trumpet sounds, we must be about our Father's business. The purpose of God, letter A. It's the purpose of God. Acts 15, 14, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. That must have been hard for Jewish mind to comprehend. (laughs) God can do something with Gentiles? God can save a Gentile? Yes, God can. Because in this church age, we see predominantly that New Testament expansion was an expansion to the world. And we see here that the Gentiles were the focus. Look at verse 16. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 15. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. Verse 16, after this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. Folks, for you that have been ah, exposed uh, to uh, these the hellish doctrines here uh, that tell us that God has replaced Israel with the church. We have passages just like this that God says, I'm not done with Israel. I'm going to build them up again. They're going to hear a trumpet too. They're going to be gathered too. Oh, the church is going to be gathered, but so will the Jews be gathered. They're going to be assembled just like the church is going to be assembled. And yes, in this moment, it is harvest time. And God's purpose is that we would see God's not finished with the Jews. He's going to deal with them. Chapter 15, verse 16, after this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. He says, yes, I'm going to deal with the Gentiles. And, and, and uh, uh, we're going to get to Romans chapter 11 where it, it just is glorious. But as the word of God is laid out, we see here that, yes, God has a plan to see both Gentiles and Jews come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, some of this replacement theology comes hand in hand with Reformed theology. And let me just scream out, I know we want to listen to Christian radio, but I think you'd be shocked to know how many of the radio heroes you have teach Reformed theology and with that replacement theology. And Israel is nothing. Undercurrents of anti-Semitism. Because we just don't believe the word of God. God said it. God has a plan. God's not done. There are two trumpets. (laughs) And there's two assemblies. And we've got to be aware of both of them. All right, so the purpose of God is A, the people of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Give none offense. Here's the categories from God's perspective. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. All right, God's still working. God's still working on Jewish people and individually Different Jewish individuals are coming to know Christ. Paul, Saul of Tarsus is one. Jewish fisherman. uh, Jewish tax collector. They're coming individually here to the Lord. But now we see here the gospels moving forward to the harvest. And it's 
predominantly a harvest of the Gentile world. The purpose of God, the, the, the people of God. The scripture also tells us in John 4, 35, Jesus used the illustration there at the well of Samaria to lift up your eyes. Look to the fields. They're white already to harvest. It was hard, again, for the disciples to comprehend that. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half Jew, half Gentile. The average Jewish person would actually walk around uh, Samaria lest they defile themselves by walking through it. And here God is simply allowing us to see that even Samaritans are a whited field ready for a spiritual harvest. Let her see not just the purpose of God, the people of God, but the program of God. God's eternal program. He's desiring that all the world, from every language and people and tongue, that they would glorify God. And let me just emphasize here the importance of the harvest season. The importance of us understanding that that's the age we're living in. And I'm asking the Lord to do a new and deeper work in my life as, folks, the time is short. We're not here just to be a social club. We're here to fulfill the Great Commission. You say, but I got my education, I got this, I got that, I got this. Oh, don't lose sight of the reality that we ought to occupy till he comes. That means do God's business. Do God's business. In the Feast of Trumpets, we see an ending of the harvest. Oh, that the Lord would drive that into each and every one of our hearts. Now, lest we just rush through, and normally I would just push it to the next service, but we have Easter, Resurrection Sunday, three weeks away. I've got to finish the series before Easter. Because there's another series percolating that's coming right after Easter. And so I want to get it done. Uh, I'm going to preach the next two points tonight instead of the starting the new series on the Holy Spirit of God. Because I don't know what else to do in this moment. Because I will take as much time as I've already taken. And I don't want your roast to burn. All right? So we're going to be gracious to you here this morning. But let's just focus on that one thing. It's harvest time. Pentecost is a reality. It was a day that took place on God's calendar. And from Pentecost until the trumpets, you've got a three-month harvest. And that three-month harvest is where you and I live right now. We are between Pentecost and the trumpets. And one day God's going to hold us accountable, each and every one of us, for what we do or we don't do with the truth that God's given to us concerning the need to bring in a harvest. Say, Pastor, why do you have a missions program? Because there's a harvest in foreign countries that need to hear the gospel. People need to get saved. Why, why do we have all these brochures in the back with the gospel in them? Not to decorate the table back there in the resource center. They're tools. Tools for what? Tools for us. Why? Because it's harvest. 
That's this age. And God is desiring for each and every one of us to grab hold of the reality that until that trumpet blows, oh, I, I have a job, I have a family, I have school, I have these responsibilities, but at the very top, I'm a field worker in the Lord's vineyard. And I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's bow in prayer as we close our time here this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a help to you, please feel free to share it on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.